TomDispatch.com. This is TomCast. Interviews and insight from Tom Dispatch contributors for anyone seeking a deeper understanding of our post-9-11 world and a clear sense of how our global imperial system actually works. I'm Timothy McBain. Recently, I had the pleasure of speaking again with Michael Clare, a professor of peace and world security studies at Hampshire College, a Tom Dispatch regular, and author most recently of The Race for What's Left, The Global Scramble for the World's Last Resources. Michael and I talked about the current administration's foreign policy objectives as they relate to the control of global energy resources and how little difference there is between Obama's energy policies and those of his predecessors. It is understandable that politicians with ties to big oil will act in the interest of those companies, but why is it Obama is so gung-ho to pursue the same policies given his background, which is tied to community organizing and higher education? You know, I just have become convinced that in the absence of other overriding political objectives or principles, which is kind of what we face today in Washington, oil geopolitics is the default condition for American foreign policy. I think that's been true since 1945. Yes, other issues come and go, but since the end of World War II to the present, if you look at the Middle East, the rest of Asia, oil geopolitics has been the driving feature in American foreign policy and continues to be so today. So you're saying that this might indicate that, you know, the accusations against the Bush administration that they were simply doing favors for their cronies is is somewhat inaccurate and that all decision makers are really inclined to behave in the same way when it comes to energy policy? Again, you know, I think that the Bush administration probably favored certain companies more than others. But basically, I think the Bush administration behaved like other democratic regimes and Republican regimes before, which is to promote American oil interests in the Middle East above those of other countries, rather than any particular company. But they were pushing for the advantages of American oil companies throughout. This was a stated policy of the Bush administration. And speaking about Asia, if the if the U.S. continues to try to garret China when it comes to foreign energy resources, what are some of the possible reactions we might expect from Beijing? What I see happening is that as the United States becomes less dependent on Middle Eastern oil, which appears to be the, the trajectory at present, and China becomes more dependent on Middle Eastern oil, this is seen in Washington as a strategic advantage for the United States. China will be vulnerable to disruptions in the flow of oil, and it will become more and more dependent on the U.S. Navy to protect its flow of energy. And in fact, it will be vulnerable to blockades by the U.S. if there's ever a clash with the United States. So I think that this is seen as a real advantage to the United States and a disadvantage for China. Now, this will clearly be seen in Beijing as a strategic weakness on their part and as a potential danger. And I can't believe that they're not going to take countermeasures to protect themselves. I think they're going to try to build up their alliance with Russia because Russia could supply them with energy through internal lines. And I think they're going to contest the United States in the South China Sea and elsewhere. So it has all kinds of dangerous implications. 
And when you talk about the U.S. moving the oil production and energy production toward the Western Hemisphere and away from the Middle East and more volatile areas of the world, I suppose we'll be seeing more of the effects of this pursuit of extreme energy. Will this, I mean, will this affect the American public's view of how we go about obtaining this energy? And are the politicians who are making these decisions concerned about perhaps blowback when people see in their backyards what's happening with hydrofracking, whereas before, you know, a disaster in the Niger Delta might not even make the news? You know, I think this is going to be very divisive in the United States because there will be winners and losers at the local level. So you can't predict how the public is going to react. We see this in places like Pennsylvania and in North Dakota, where hydrofracking is now reaching a crescendo. Uh, there are some people who are getting checks in the mail each month or each year uh, and royalty checks that are making poor people, previously poor people, quite wealthy. And they say, goody. Uh, but there are many other people who are seeing their water being polluted, their lands defiled, and they're furious about it. So, you know, there are going to be winners and losers and people who will support hydrofracking and people who will oppose it. The oil companies and the gas companies are going to mount a tremendous propaganda campaign to say this all can be done safely. And unless you hear from the people on the ground about the pollution, you may not hear about it. Otherwise, so this is going to be a pivotal aspect of American politics from here on out. Um, well, we've talked about the relationship between the U.S. and China. What about the relationship between the United States and Russia? So far, President Obama has sought to mend relations with Moscow, but I fear that uh, this new emphasis on oil geopolitics will lead to worsening ties with Russia, uh, in particular as the U.S. seeks to promote alternative conduits for oil and natural gas from Central Asia, from the Caspian Sea states to Europe, as a way of bypassing reliance on Russian oil and gas, this is going to create friction with Moscow. Now, remember, this is a policy that was pushed very hard by Vice President Cheney in the Bush administration, and it looks to me as if President Obama has picked up this policy again and is pushing the same line. And I think this will inevitably lead to friction with Moscow. And what about the relation between the United States and those those Caspian Sea states, the states that, where these pipelines actually run through? The pipelines, whether for oil or gas, are run from Azerbaijan through Georgia to Turkey. And President Obama has just indicated his support for a new natural gas pipeline that'll run from Azerbaijan through Georgia to Turkey and has promised more military aid to Georgia and more support for Azerbaijan. And this is exactly the kind of policies that Dick Cheney favored, and it's exactly the kind of policies that will create hostility from Moscow and lead to more friction in the region. And you write at the end of your article... Cheney's geopolitical maneuvering led us into two costly Middle Eastern wars while heightening tensions with both China and Russia. President Obama claims he seeks to build a more peaceful world, but copying the Cheney energy blueprint is bound to produce the exact opposite. What factors are influencing the Obama administration to ignore these lessons of recent history? I think that President Obama finds himself in a bit of a 
political trap right now. On one hand, he wants to withdraw forces from Afghanistan, withdraw U.S. forces from Iraq, uh, wind down the war on global war on terror. So I think he's fearful of coming under attack from Republicans that he's weak on defense. And also for economic reasons, it's necessary to reduce defense spending like everything else. So he's fearful of being seen as weak on national defense. And this is always a Republican charge against Democratic presidents. So I think he feels he has to do something to show that he's a strong national security president. That's the way he's going to run. And one way to do that is to say, well, we're beefing up the Navy, we're challenging China, uh, we're taking these other tough measures against Iran and North Korea and so on. And this is the way he's going to respond to that. I think it's exceedingly dangerous to provoke China and Russia in these ways, but I, I think that's the calculation he feels he has to make. And the, well, there is a lot of speculation as far as which decisions are part of his campaign for re-election and which are part of you know a permanent foreign policy. And do you think things will change if he is re-elected, or is it even possible, or have we gone past a certain point of no return when it comes to these policies? You know, uh, from all the time I've spent in Washington, I do sense that the American foreign policy establishment, Republican and Democratic alike, uh, do share a view that the United States must remain the dominant world power, must control the sea lanes, must control the global flow of energy, that these are non-debatable issues, whoever is in power and that this has governed American foreign policy for decades, and that Barack Obama has bought into this lock, stock, and barrel. In fact, it's become his foreign policy more than anything else. So I think whoever gets elected, this will be the foreign policy of the United States. To read Michael Clare's latest article, Is Barack Obama Morphing into Dick Cheney? Four Ways the President is Pursuing Cheney's Geopolitics of Global Energy please visit TomDispatch.com. You can also find Michael's latest book, The Race for What's Left, The Global Scramble for the World's Last Resources, at Amazon.com or at any quality bookstore near you. I'm Timothy McBain, and until we meet again, thanks for listening.